We called him Koro S. S for Scrooge. Every whānau has one. They are the uri who think that being cheap is a superpower. For the record, nah, it's just cheap. He has money, apparently. A whole lot of money stuffed in a hidden suitcase somewhere. But he chose to live out in the wild. He said that he was free from the shackles of paying rent to the man. Nah, once again, just cheap. I don't even know why we called him Koro. He was only 36. I think it was because he had an old spirit, kind and gentle like most Koro. And if there was a hui or tangi, he was always there, being helpful in the kitchen or cleaning the toilets. He wasn't paru or anything. He was always cleanly shaven, his hair was nicely combed with that 1930s part down the side. But his clothes had huge holes in them. Not the trendy kind the kids wear nowadays, like real holes. My clothes come with their own air conditioning, he would always say. As I would say, cheap. That's our koroes, we love him dearly. However, his cheapskate ways would soon propel him on a collision course with the other side. You know, the other side. One day, we got word that Auntie Roa had lost her fight with cancer and the whānau was gathering at the house. She was an awful woman, and we all avoided her like the plague. She was so awful that the plague avoided her, but she was our auntie, and we knew the drill. The next day, they took auntie to the marae, then up to the urupa to lie beside uncle, who was the absolute opposite of auntie. He was nice to us and would slip us a buck or two when auntie wasn't looking so we could buy some lollies from the dairy. What did he see in her? Opposites attract, I guess. Anyway, when everyone had gone, Koro S and I stayed behind at the house to clean up. Hey Koro, don't forget to take that mattress outside and burn it. Of course I will, hear me. I'm not that stupid. Um, yes you are. That's why I'm reminding you. Remember what uncle would always say? Anything Anything that that death death touches touches could touch you. you. I know, I know. Leave it to me, Ewa. Oh Rafiki, he know the way. He would always do these terrible Lion King quotes. I would always think to myself, Koro, whatever you do, don't give up your day job. I'll catch you later, eh? And don't forget the mattress. Aight. Oh, looks like it's just you and me, mattress. He drags the mattress out the door and into the backyard. Okay, let's do this. He takes out his box of matches. He looks at the mattress. Any last words? He strikes the match, but it's extinguished by a strange wind. Damn it! He tries it again. Same thing happens. He turns his body to try and shield the match, but the wind seems to change directions, and the same thing happens. The hell? Look, stop making it hard on yourself. With only one match left and a pile of spent matches, Koro finally gives up and looks down at the mattress, the same way you do when you look at a stray. He puts the final match back in his pocket, and that's when it happens. His cheap skate superpower kicks in. Okay, well, guess you're coming with me. Anyway, it'd be a shame to waste those body-hugging inner springs. <laughs> so, off we went, carrying this rolled-up mattress out the gate and heading down the street, which didn't look strange at all. As he closed the gate to leave Auntie's house, 
that strange gust of wind returned, but this time it seemed to hiss and speak his name. Is anyone there? He looks round suspiciously. Kareko, just Auntie's cat Snookums perched on the fence. Snookums begins to hiss and puff up. Oh, hey, chill out, kitty. He hears growling noises behind him, swivels around to see a dozen or so cats that weren't there before, all stalking him the way cats do when they see a juicy bird. Koro smells his clothes, thinking he spilled fish on them or something. He immediately starts to back up. What the heck is going on? Stop this. And he's gone. He takes off, still carrying the rolled up mattress, all the while being pursued by a gang of possessed cats. He was a 100 metre sprinter in his day, and he manages to outrun them for a bit. The cats are in hot pursuit and begin hurling themselves at him. He ducks one going for his head, and it lands awkwardly in the bushes. Another latches onto his leg, that he kicks off hard into a wall. One cat leaps at him and scratches his arm. The blood from his wound drifts through the air as he runs. It seems to drive the cats into a frenzy. He makes it to a dead-end alley and turns to face the cat horde that has slowed down and appears to have grown in numbers. He knows his luck is up and closes his eyes, accepting fate. They're scurrying, hissing and spitting. There's a trash can being knocked over and they're all gone. Something has spooked them. Not knowing exactly what has transpired, Koro dusts himself off and decides he's not going to stick around and wait for them to return. He heads off to his place of abode. It's an abandoned warehouse with a few rooms and crumbling walls, but it's sheltered and dry. There are a few regular tenants. There's the old lady in the corner. She's an alcoholic and always has a couple of bottles on hand, but she keeps to herself. There's also the couple in the next cubicle. They can get rowdy sometimes, but they're harmless. He goes to his normal posse towards the back of the warehouse and, in exhaustion due to recent events, collapses on Auntie's mattress. woken by smoke and leaps up realising the mattress is engulfed in flames that are almost touching the ceiling. Oh, now you want to catch on fire. He runs out to grab a hose that's outside. When he comes back, there's no fire. Nothing. Zip. Are you alright? Yeah, just a little thirsty. He scratches his head and puts the hose back. He comes back to inspect the mattress. It's in perfect condition. Not a scratch. Bloody cats, messing with my mind. He lies back down on the mattress. Although a bit unsettled, it's not long before he's nodded off again. After a while, he feels a tap on his shoulder. He shrugs it off like you do when you're irritated and half asleep. The tapping becomes stronger. Oh, old lady, I said I was thirsty. He tentatively opens his eyes. It's auntie. 
and she's in flames. At least it, it looks like Auntie, only there's darkness where her eyes normally are. She screams at Koro. intensifying with each word. She keeps repeating the same words over and over each time, getting louder and louder and her voice is morphing into multiple voices which are becoming monstrous and frightening by the second. Koro doesn't fully understand what's happening, but he knows it's connected to the mattress. His uncle's words are now resounding in his mind. Anything that death touches could touch you. Well, uh, well I have to burn it. I have to destroy this mattress. Oh no, one lousy match left. He runs and grabs the old lady's bottle of vodka. Hey, I'm saving that. Koro douses the bed with the vodka. He says a little prayer and strikes the match. The bed bursts into flames. There's an explosion and Auntie's words turn to screams. Just like that, it's all over. In the morning, Koro makes his way back to the house. He knows he has to make his peace with Auntie. He bumps into me along the way. So did you take care of that mattress okay? <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Where are you off to now, Koro? Oh, I think I'm gonna go buy me a pair of pants. One without air conditioning. And with one final glance at Snookums, who's perched on the gate, a final thought comes to him. Bloody cat! Pakikehua, he mea tuku, nā te wānanga o Aotearoa, a nā te māngai pāho. Pakikehua, brought to you by Te Wānanga o Aotearoa, with funding from Te Māngai Pāho.